You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast, the number one source for hunting and fishing information, strategy and tactics, as well as conversations surrounding conservation efforts and other outdoor activities in the great state of Iowa. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and this episode of the Iowa Sportsman Podcast starts right now. All right, everybody, welcome to the Iowa Sportsman Podcast. My name is Dan Johnson. I'm your host. And uh, before we get into today's podcast, I just want to remind everybody to go visit the Iowa Sportsman website, iowasportsman.com. They have a ton of great digital blog posts there about fishing, duck hunting, deer hunting. Everything that you love about Iowa is on that uh, website and it gives you the opportunity to sign up for their magazine as well uh, get the subscription again tons of great articles uh, about everything that you love about Iowa I'm really excited about uh, mushroom hunting this spring and uh, we're going to be having another podcast about that topic coming up uh, very shortly if you haven't subscribed to the Iowa Sportsman podcast yet please do so you can do that at iTunes or wherever you download your uh, podcast at uh, subscribe and then uh, leave a five-star review that would be awesome now today we are joined uh, we're actually sitting in his living room on this beautiful spring day here in Iowa we're joined by Ben Harshine he is uh, he works for Huntera Maps and he also works for Whitetail Properties as a real estate agent and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today is purchasing land uh, and there's a there's a whole big uh, you know details we can go into the tons of details but we're going to keep it very high level today and uh so mr ben harshine how are you man dan i'm doing great thanks for having me and i'm excited to talk land with uh with you in front of the iowa sportsman's audience yeah ab- absolutely and this is the first time we've ever had uh, uh, a land-based podcast on this uh on this channel uh we've we've done a food plot podcast before but never uh, talked about you know buying and selling land and I think we'll f- just focus on buying land because I feel that purchasing land is one of those things that people automatically say to themselves oh there's no way I'll ever be a landowner there's no way I'll ever be a landowner it's impossible you know it's too expensive blah 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 <laughs> so just on a real high level why don't you tell everybody you know maybe put some of those superstitions to rest that maybe it's not as hard as they think to be a landowner. Sure. Well, uh, you know, history has has proven itself that land <clears throat> over time, just for humankind, has been as uh, sound of an asset to have and as safe of an asset to have as any other sort of, of uh, you know, in, investment. Land has held its value and steadily increased its value over time um and there really is it's uh 
there's a lot of factors that go into it. One is of the largest. It's it's cliche to say they're not making it anymore, but yeah. that that just simple uh, concept of supply and demand uh, has allowed land to be uh, you know one of the most sound investments that that one can make. And uh, if you buy it right, uh, some of the most successful people have uh, from at least from a uh, a wealth standpoint have made their big gains with real estate purchases. Mm -hmm. So uh, as far as, um, I guess, well, you know, we're talking, this is the Iowa sportsman's podcast. So we're going to focus on, on land here in Iowa, yeah, uh, Midwestern farm ground and, and, uh, recreational land. Um, you know, there's, there's kind of, there's some different markets and there's some different buyers, but to be honest with you, uh, you don't have to be rich to buy land. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I don't really know where, where you'd like to start. Yeah. So I think the, the most important thing is, you know, budget, right? Budget is the most important thing to all of, you know, for all of us, right? I can't go right now. I can't go buy a thousand acres. I want to, but I, it's, you know, I probably can't do it. So for all types of budgets, whether you're, you know, like a, just some average Joe who has an average job. And we're just going to talk law of averages right now. What are some of the first things that we need to do before we go out and start looking at purchasing land? Yeah. The, the most, the, the first thing you need to do is, is understand what your budget is. And, uh, the, the easiest way to look at that is, is determine, you know, how, how frequently are you getting paid? Let's say you're getting paid on a monthly basis, a salary job yeah. and you've got your bills, uh, throughout life, you know, your other bills in life and okay. Is there anything extra that's available that you could put towards a, a monthly payment? Mm -hmm. Uh, you can purchase land and finance land through, uh, a number of different ways, but the, the simplest is through a conventional loan. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of banks out here that almost all banks will, will work with people on, on financing land. So to, uh, to understand what you can afford on a monthly basis or on a yearly basis would be, uh, would be the first step. And uh, the second step really would be to understand what, what are your goals? Are you wanting a, a, a hunting property? Are you wanting a place that is going to provide additional income uh, to you and your family? Is it a place where you want to just get away uh, with the family for, for, for a weekend and, and enjoy the outdoors? Or are you wanting to buy something that you can uh, get for a cheap deal uh, or below market value fix and, and sell, uh, you know, in a short term time. So understanding what your goals are and, uh, and, and then what you can afford are the very first two steps. Um, one of the just basic, whenever I have buyers call me up and we talk about, you know, the, the land purchasing process, uh, banks are going to want, a lender is going to want a down payment mm -hmm. and I've seen that down payment be anywhere from, from, uh, 20% down to, to 40 or 45% down. So if you buy a hundred thousand dollar property, you need to have 20 to $40,000 in cash to be able to put down. And then, and then the lender would finance the remaining part of it, which would go into your monthly payments. Gotcha. Um, with the interest rates right now around, say, uh, well, this, you know, we're, 
we're talking the beginning of 2019. Our interest rates are uh, around the low fives and, and up, depending on your credit score. So still relatively low interest rates compared to what history has shown us in the past, but they are increasing. Um, that's another thing to factor in is, is um, what kind of interest you're going to be paying in right. addition to the principal and everything. So understanding what your what your monthly payments, what you can take on is, is really the first step in all of this. Would you say that the down payment uh, and saving for that and getting that lined up is probably one of the biggest hurdles when going for a, a, a big move like this? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, th- that is something that you have to set in. Uh, set the wheels in motion ahead ahead of time unless right. you can step into uh, a larger amount of cash in the short term or or, or sell uh, you know sell some sort of you know say you've got a fancy truck and and you want to you know you're okay with driving a, a cheaper vehicle and you are able to sell that truck for you know x amount of dollars more and okay i've got a nice little lump sum to start right towards saving for that down payment um but yeah, the 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 down t- down payment is is definitely the the uh, uh, something that's going to be required unless you're going to be paying cash for for a property. Um, one other thing to consider though, and it's it's a tool that I've used for for several of my clients now, and it's it's what's called seller financing. Mm-hmm. So essentially, <clears throat> there are sellers uh, that. Uh, may it may not be desirable to them to receive one big lump sum for their property all at one time, whether it be for estate purposes or for tax purposes or, 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 or whatever the case may be, they want a steady flow of income. There are options to be able to do seller financing and that's negotiable between you and I. So Dan, say, say I had, uh, say, uh, you know, I've got, uh, 40 acres and, uh, you know, you're, you're interested in, in, uh, in, in buying it and it's going to be $120,000, but you don't, you don't have, say, $40,000 to put down for down payment, but you would, we would negotiate financing to each other. And essentially, the, the seller is the bank. So yeah. that's, that can get a little bit complicated, but it, really, there's no lender involved other than you making annual payments yeah. with the seller. It's kind of like a rent to own. So yeah. there are different tools out there that allow somebody to step into land uh, investment or land, land buying uh, easier than, than what you think. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. All right. So, you know, once you've gotten, I don't know, once you've gotten uh, the the bank okay, right? Like your credit score is good enough. They're saying they're going to back a loan from you. Um, are you, what's the, what's the next step? I mean, is it just going into looking for properties in your area? I mean, is it how far is the person willing to drive to go enjoy a piece of property? Mm-hmm. Um, because, and the reason I ask this is, you know, I'm a deer hunter, mm-hmm. right? I want to someday own a piece of property where I can somewhat manage some of the, you know, some of the habitat and do a big enough, uh, good enough job to where maybe I might have a one particular buck stick around all year round, right? So I can manage that property. Is there a way, uh, like, and let me see, how do I, how do I put this the right way? Southern counties in Iowa are going to be more expensive, you know, if you want that primo hunting ground, right. Compared to maybe some other places in the state. Right. So do you think it would be a good idea to maybe not necessarily look right around where you live, 
or potentially go further out from where you live because the ground might be cheaper. Yeah. So for, let's just talk about, we're buying a hunting property. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, uh, I would say the, the first thing to consider once you have your budget figured out, then driving distances needs to be something you need to consider, you know, right in, in the beginning steps. I, I have some clients that have, uh, that they own a farm over three hours away from where they live yeah. and they make it work. Uh, that's six hours of driving every weekend. If you go to your farm or every other yeah. weekend, that, that's a lot of driving. You yeah. Know? So if it's just, you know, if you, if you're game for that and that's, you, you want to be in a very specific area and need to get that far, that's fine. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I think that that kind of sweet spot is around two hours or under yeah. for having a recreational property and still being able to get, to, to go down and enjoy it relatively frequently. Yeah. The shorter driving distance, the, the better. If I'm an hour and an hour and change away, maybe I can slip down for an evening hunt and still come back home right. with the family. So uh, <clears throat> driving distance is something to consider. As far as the, the, the land values or the price per acre right now and the market value of, of, of qual- high quality, I mean, Southern Iowa, the, the best, arguably the best whitetail hunting in the galaxy, right? Yeah. So, uh, as you get close to the Missouri line, we're farther away from Cedar Rapids. We're farther away from Iowa City and Des Moines. The, the larger the larger population areas is what's the distance to those is helping drive the price per, per ground in addition to the quality of habitat and the land management that's going on. But if you get really – if you're willing to go f- right to the Missouri line, that southern tier, you know, uh, Appanoose and Davis County, Van Buren's got actually a little bit of a higher price per acre um, – there's been some big names and some big, you know, th- that have hunted and sold ground there over the years. But you get close to that Missouri line that's a little bit further, and you're going to see a little bit of a cheaper price per acre, somewhere around that uh, 2,500 to mm, high twos. Maybe let's just call it 2,700, 2,800 an acre averaging. Yeah. It, as you get closer, uh, let's say Washington County is one of, the, one of the counties I do a bunch of business in. We're within an hour of, of Iowa City, but we've got some tremendous whitetail hunting there, especially along the Skunk River. Uh, we're going to be looking at ground in the low threes per mm-hmm. acre. I mean, just for rough hunting ground. So uh, because of that proximity. So once you can establish what your budget is, okay, well, man, I would rather have more acreage, as much acreage as I can. Well, if you're willing to drive a little bit further, get down into deep southern Iowa, you're going to have a lot more choices as well because there's a lot more recreational ground there as opposed to closer to, to the cities and, you know, where all the tillable land is as you go north from southern Iowa. But um I know. I guess that's kind of a roundabout way to answer answer your question, but there there are a lot of factors to consider. Um, that being said, uh, once th- this isn't land land isn't just a, like an expense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is an expense because there's money that's coming out of your your bank account and and uh, it's constant, right? Mm-hmm. Just like a mortgage is. Yep. But <clears throat> land has held its value. And increased its value for, for so long that in the event that you do need to you need to step away from that or you need to sell that property yeah um, there's a really strong chance that that that, that is going to hold its value more so than a lot of other investments that you could be doing in life so yeah. um, I think that that's it's scary for people because it's it can be a big it can be a big payment but um, you know possibly uh, you, you know you sell a property and five years or 10 years and you're going to be making money off of it. Right. What drives the cost per acre 
on a on a piece, certain piece of land? Yeah, great question. So, uh, one would be uh, here in Iowa. There's obviously a lot of farm ground. Even in southern Iowa, there's still some quality farm ground, and the quality of that soil in Iowa is measured by CSR2, corn suitability rating. And that there's a number of factors that go into that number, but it's a quantifiable number that says, hey, this this uh, this farm ground, this tillable ground, is this quality, you know, and, and your your lowest, roughest quality, almost unfarmable soils are going to be in the 30s, and your flattest, blackest, most fertile dirt in 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 Iowa is going to be in your 90s. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's going to be the most expensive. So this fa farm ground, it's a measurement of that CSR2 value and the ability to to grow a good crop of of corn right. or soybeans. Um. Other factors when it comes to hunting, uh, timber value, how, how, uh, or, or, you know, is that timber comprised mainly of just hedge and, and locust and cedar thicket, which is really from a marketable standpoint, it can be good, uh, deer habitat, but not from a, from a, uh, marketable timber sale. It's not of really any value yeah. compared to upland hardwoods. You got oak ridges and, and walnuts and more valuable trees. Uh, that can play a factor into the price per acre of timber ground. Yeah. Uh, uh, access is, is another one. Uh, how are, how many different points of access do you have to this property? What's the huntability of it? That that gets more into the weeds whenever you have a land specialist helping you try to find a piece of ground, sorting through the 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 the, the good ones and the not so good ones from an access standpoint is really important. Neighborhood. Uh, are you next? Is this is this uh, potential property next to larger landowners that are managing for for mature deer? Mm -hmm. Are they uh, are they passing young bucks? Is there are they working together to try to have a a, um, a strong mature deer herd? Uh, that certainly plays into a factor. And there's some relatively commercialized neighborhoods, especially in South Central Iowa, that are very big. Big tracts of land that are owned by single individuals or, or families that, you know, you can have some big deer running around there consistently, and that's going to drive the price per acre up as well. So, um, there there are a, a good bit of factors. Uh, one thing we haven't even spoke about was from an income standpoint is the conservation reserve program mm -hmm. and CRP. Uh, CRP is is essentially a program that exists to <clears throat> maintain. Uh, uh, sound soil and water quality uh, throughout, you know, throughout uh, all of this farm ground, and and you'll have uh, basically the 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 best, most suitable land for CRP is uh, highly erodible land. So instead of farming every every corner of that field or every slope, uh, some of some of these acres are allocated to the CRP program, where you you plant into native grasses. And uh, in exchange, it's on a contract period, say 10 or 15 years, where that landowner gets paid X amount of dollars. Typically, it's similar to the average cash rent, but it's from the government and it's consistent yeah. income. So uh, that can be a really good way to understand how much money you're going to be making from a property on an annual basis, but that also factors into the price per acre. Right. You know, so. right. And that's kind of a perfect transition there is... Other than, you know, having your uh, property in CRP, which the government pays you for, mm -hmm. right? What other uh, avenues can you make money off your property? Mm -hmm. Cash rent. Uh, 
let's say you have tillable ground. You can either farm it yourself. You can simply rent it out to a, a farmer for X amount of dollars per acre on an annual basis, on a five-year basis, whatever your terms may be. You can custom farm it. So you essentially pay for all of the seed, pay for all of the, the chemical and the input, and uh, you pay somebody to do, you know, uh, to, to plant it and to harvest it, but you actually are able to take home the profit of that. Okay, so yeah. those are a couple of different ways from the tillable standpoint to make money. Timber sales, you can take marketable trees off of your property through the uh, selling of logs. Uh, uh, Hunting leases is another one. You can rent it out to pasture if you've got good fencing and, and quality areas where where uh, uh, cattle can graze. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there are uh, there are a number of ways that that you can generate income off of it. But the most common ones would be you know hunting hunting uh, leases, uh, farm ground, uh, CRP. There are uh, other programs called. Uh, through the uh, FSA office and the National Re- Natural Resource Conservation Center, which is in every county, there are different programs that are on a cost share basis as well. Um, so th- there's there's a number of different programs that allow you to to be able to to uh, offset your annual your monthly or annual payments for your ground. Right. So you you take that into consideration, right? So now we're looking at your monthly payment. It's going to be the same, but you're bringing in, right? I always, whenever I try to set a budget, I I try to set it like zero, right? I want to kind of get it as close to zero or above zero as possible, right? So bills and all that stuff are below zero. Um, money, other money I'm making is above zero. So if you can bring that um, expenses on that property closer to zero, you know, with a uh, CRP program, uh, cash running tillable, um, maybe uh, having a hunting lease during, let's say I'm a bow hunter, so maybe I'd lease out during shotgun season mm-hmm. to an out-of-stater or whatever. Those are some things that will bring me closer to zero mm-hmm. that would, you know, say, okay, then you can look at it where, okay, it's not $500 a month. It's now $200 a month mm-hmm. because I'm bringing in this, uh, you know, additional money throughout the year. And I think if people look at that, and not necessarily look at, hey, this is, it's X, do- my bill for this land is X dollars, but you're also making income off of it. So it just kind of makes it, it's a little bit softer of a landing. Yeah. So I, uh, th- th- a good way to look at this ground that is bringing income is through what's uh, be considered the, the cap rate or the return on investment. Mm-hmm. So take your annual income that a property is, is bringing back to you. Let's say it's ten thousand dollars, and uh, then you take your well. Let's say it's, let's say it's twelve thousand dollars. Yeah. Then your your taxes on that ground every year are two thousand. So mm-hmm. your net income after taxes and all your other expenses is ten thousand dollars. Okay. And you buy this property is is listed for sale, or you can buy it for three hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, if you take ten thousand dollars, which is your net income. Divided by the purchase price, three hundred thousand, you're at a three percent return on investment. Okay, that three percent, if if that number, the the closer that number is to your interest rate, say it's five percent, mm-hmm. the closer it is to cash flowing it. Okay, so it's very difficult now. I mean, you can you can find them, but um, 
the properties that are bringing five and six percent uh, return on investment that are literally paying for themselves. Mm-hmm. You put the down payment down, and then the the rest is in overdrive. Then uh, those are pretty rare, but yeah. it still can be done. It still right. can be found. One other unique uh, form of of income here is we should talk about. There's there's two windmills, yep. wind, wind turbines becoming very popular in the Midwest, and cell towers as well. I have a friend. Excuse me, it's getting paid almost a thousand dollars a month. Excuse me, from Verizon because yeah. he has a cell tower on his farm. That's incredible, you know. And that's a that's a if you can, I mean, if you're okay with that, that's a great way to own a piece of ground and still, you know, not everybody can go and get a cell tower. But right. There, there are other ways out there to be able to generate money. So, uh, if you can, if you can get that that return on investment percentage closer to your uh, your interest rate. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I ran a amortization schedule. Uh, I basically created this this formula in Excel um, when I was helping th- this one set of buyers try to try to find. Okay, let's really look at the financials of this purchase. Okay, right. and there was a CRP, was eighty acres of CRP. Well, it was an eighty acre tract. Forty was in CRP, and forty was was in timber. Great hunting, but it also had a nice long. Uh, CRP contract on it. The CRP expired and is going to expire in 2030. So there's a lot of years left on the CRP. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it totaled out that once all those payments are made, uh, is over $120,000, right? That, that'll be coming back from the government it, through the life of that CRP contract. Yeah. So I ran this, this amortization schedule where I basically punched in the, uh, I, I, I punched in uh, 35% down and, uh, you know, a five and a half interest rate. And then I also factored in my, my income every, uh, you know, the income on this property every year. And, uh, if I did a, if we did like a 15 year loan, basically we were going to, we were going to pay for that farm within eight years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're making a 15 year loan is larger payments per month than a 20 year loan. You're probably not going to get a 30-year loan in land. Uh, I should probably should talk. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a banker and I'm not a lender, but I haven't seen it. Yeah. Uh, farm credit, they'll do a 20-year loan, a uh, little you know longer term than a lot of other banks. But what I'm saying is that hey, you got to really dive into the numbers here because I mean, if you know if you could swing a thousand dollar payment per month for eight years, you know, and then own a piece of ground free and clear that is now bringing in an extra $10,000 per year. Man, yeah. it sounds like a pretty good deal. Absolutely does. So, you know, and you can kill a couple good bucks on it, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. Uh, another long-winded answer for you. I, I tend to get get that way, but I get excited whenever I I start talking the land buying process w- w- with people, you know, there's a there's a zillion questions and the, yeah. the, the the best advice is really to to try to find somebody uh, in your area that is, a, that is, that specializes in selling and buying ground. Yeah. Um, and that's not a cut on your general real estate agent that helps buy and sell houses as well. But there are people like myself and, uh, others throughout the state of Iowa and throughout the Midwest here and the rest of the country that are very, uh, specialized in their local land markets. Yeah. You know, whether you're looking for farm ground, CRP, pasture, hunting ground, or a combination of all of them. Yeah. So that's who you're going to, you pick up the phone and, and start a relationship with them. And Hey, when you're a buyer, it doesn't cost you anything to have yeah. a land agent. You literally, I mean, 
unless you work out some strange deal, you know, that, that, uh, agent will earn their commission representing you trying to find another piece of ground, but it doesn't cost the buyer anything. Right. Um, so that's can be the, the most uh, valuable advice, uh, that you can seek when you're buying, right. You're wanting to step into land ownership. So uh, something that just popped into my head was going into a piece of property with a buddy or a friend or another family member. It's a way to reduce your price, but then you have that, you know, this is more of a personal question now. Would that be something that you would recommend uh, doing? Maybe going in with um, a buddy and sharing the cost and rotating in years or or finding out a way to make it work with a a buddy or another family member? I have seen it go the polar opposites. I've seen it uh, make, you know, iron tight brotherhoods um, and land partnerships it's essentially a business partnership and, and I've seen it go the successful route mm-hmm. and I've seen it, uh, I've seen it shatter friendships and families Yeah, and I, I've seen firsthand it destroy families whenever you have multiple people owning a piece of ground and trying to make decisions because yeah. yes, there's, there's a couple, there's a couple of things involved here. One is the, just the emotion of, of owning land and, and what yeah. you get to do on it. Hunting especially is a passionate thing uh, for many, many people. And it can be a sacred thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and sharing that piece of ground with somebody may not be for every person. It may not be for the majority of these listeners. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is a great way, but is to it's a great way to get uh, larger tracts of ground uh, and be able to manage and uh, make larger gains. You just need to make sure you're doing it with somebody you, you, you trust and that you're going to be able to have the most difficult conversations with. Yeah. Um, let's say that you're in two different, you know, you, you're the best of friends, but you're in two different walks of life. One guy loses his, his, his job and he's not going to be able to make payments. You need to talk about that ahead of time. What if that happens? Yeah. Is your partner going to be able to buy you out? Or is there going to be some sort of big conflict there, you know, and talk about all the different bad scenarios that could happen and before you actually sign on the dotted line. Uh, but yes, land, I mean, partnerships can, can go great. It just needs to be, uh, it's, it's, it's a relationship that's almost as, uh, I mean, from, a, you know, it, it's almost like marriage yeah. know, to, to an extent. Um, maybe that's not the best way to, to, to compare it, but it's a very, it's a big thing to think about. Right. So now we have, uh, you know, we've went to the bank, we've gotten approved, we've reached out to a land specialist. Uh, they're helping us try to find the perfect uh, piece for not only our budget, but for our needs, whether that's, you know, to make an income off or maybe to use as a recreational piece with our family or whatnot. Is there any like cautionary tales or, Hey, you need to make sure you watch out for this type of scenario because, you know, after you purchase this property, maybe you can't do everything you thought you could do on it. Mm-hmm. So that that's actually where having a, an attorney, uh, during the buying process, each buyer is, is, I mean, most likely going to have an, an attorney that's doing a title opinion. Um, and that, that there's a, there's a couple layers here. One is first when you're, when you're buying a property and you're working with a land specialist, they need to sniff out any issues that yeah. are going to be coming down the pike, whether yeah. it's a conflict with a neighbor, 
is the are the acres accurate you know that are being marketed compared to what's actually inside the fences and and, and legally described mm -hmm. uh access yes is there recorded easement even though there's verbal is there recorded easement there's a, all those things a land special you know a real estate agent is going to need to uh if they're doing their job they need to sniff that out for you yeah. and identify the, the that for you but once you get into a purchase agreement then eventually there's going to be abstract work uh, done. And that abstract, which is, is basically the, you know, that, that is the history of land ownership of that parcel of ground. That will be reviewed by an attorney. And that attorney will give you, that, that attorney will give you uh, a legal opinion on any issues that need, need to, that may, may arise. So uh, there's always things that, that can come up. Yeah. But as long as you've got a, a, a good team of, of people that are helping you throughout this land transaction, there shouldn't really be any surprises. Okay. So um, are there any other types of expenses that, uh, you know, like, hey, I got a, you know, I got a piece of property. I want to buy it. Whose responsibility is it for, let's say, if there's any additional surveying work that needs to be done or like, I don't know, insurance inspections. I'm, I'm thinking uh, like when you go and buy a house, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have an inspector. You have to have a certain insurance on it. You have to have, you know, a variety of different things happen before you can buy the house. What about with land? So with land, there's not... If there's a <clears throat> if there's a cabin on it mm -hmm. or a house on it, you're going to go through the normal home inspection process. We're gonna you're gonna have somebody qu come in and, and, and inspect all of the uh, parts of that house and cabin, every little thing that could go wrong. In addition to a septic inspection, okay, uh, that septic inspection will be able to satisfy what is called a time of transfer. Time of transfer is a is a is a requirement from the Iowa DNR that makes sure that all of these, you know, any sort of septic uh, system, sewage system, is up to code before it transfers to the next gotcha. owner. Okay, so if there's a septic tank on the property, that has to be done. Mm -hmm. That will satisfy one of the required uh, documents during closing, which is called the groundwater hazard statement. <clears throat> That groundwater hazard statement will is is a checklist or a questionnaire for the transferer to answer if there's underground storage tanks, obviously the septic system, a number of other things. So that's one of the inspections you, that that we come across often with land is if there's a septic system on it. But uh, as far as surveying, uh, a lot of the land here in Iowa is is uh, you know it's, it's it's described through sections and quarter sections and quarter quarter sections and there isn't a ton of surveying that needs to be done at least here in the midwest because we've got a lot of north south and east west lines that run basically along fence lines mm -hmm. and whatnot uh if if uh, uh i mean i've been through some some surveys here where they they carve off the parcels in a unique way for a number of different reasons and that that survey is typically uh, paid for by the seller, yeah, uh, and then agreed upon by the buyer, and that that agreement is written out in the purchase agreement, and typically that land will now be paid for at a price per acre standpoint. Gotcha. So what happens if you're buying ten thousand dollar an acre ground, and you guys, you, you know, you think that you're buying one hundred and twelve acres, 
but the survey comes out to 113,000 or 113 acres. Yeah. And, and now, you know, you're paying an extra $10,000 for, so you need to, the, the survey and the price per acre needs to be, uh, talked about initially during the purchase agreement. But, um, I'm trying to think of other, other in, inspections. There's really the land transaction is relatively more simple than, than a home transaction because right. there's a lot of negotiation back and forth of the home, you know, remedy this, fix that. Uh, and with ground, it's typically you're, you're buying it as is. Right. So what about property taxes? Is that included in your monthly payment or what happens when that is, you know, when your loan is paid off and now you own land free and clear property taxes are still coming. Yeah, right? they are. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. You can, you can lump them together in an escrow, uh, but typically it's, it's paid, uh, you know, Iowa taxes are paid in arrears, which I would need a dry erase board to, to show the <laughs> listeners, you know, how that actually works. But essentially you're paying for, you're, you're paying for, you know, what we pay here in March is, was for whenever we owned it last, gotcha. know, the back half of last year. So, um, taxes will always, you know, even if you own the land free and clear taxes are always coming, you pay them twice a year. And, uh, um, that's something you certainly need to budget. Right. Know, budget is that for. a, is that based on, uh, a price per acre? Like how, how does property taxes work? I mean, because I is, are you paying the same price per acre as someone, let's say whether you own 10 acres or whether you own a thousand acres, right? I know that the person paying a thousand acres is going to pay more because they have more, Mm -hmm. but is, is it a statewide average? No, it's not. It's, it's at the County level. Uh, the, the, the best conversation to have here in Iowa would be to go into the county assessor site, go into the courthouse, go into the, uh, uh, the assessor site, and they assess the value of land that, tr- that determines your, the tax on that parcel. Right. So if you look at a 120-acre uh, farm, mm-hmm. it's probably going to be three 40-acre parcels, 40-acre okay. tracks of ground, and each of those 40s are going to have their own taxes per year gotcha okay and then you lump it all together and you you know that's your payment for you know for for the farm for that half of the year uh but really the what factors the most into the taxes of that property is the income the ability to generate income gotcha so if you've got high quality farmland that 40 is going to be taxed higher than if it's 40 of, of timber and uh, other factors are, you know, if it's in a good school district or if it's in an expensive county, like here we are in Johnson County, and this is an expensive county to live in. Yeah. There's, a, you know, there's a lot of things going on here from a local economy, and the taxes are higher here than they would be down in Appanoose County. Right. You know, Decatur County. So, um, yeah, that, that the, the taxes are, are <laughs> you know, and they'll – when reassessments happen, people, you know – Typically, is everybody happy whenever there's a, a new tax assessment right. that goes on? You know, so um, it, it's definitely something you need to you need to consider. Though uh, it'll be here forever. This is yeah. America. So. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, um, is there anything else that you can think of uh, that you need to share with the listeners about you know purchasing land that way we, we already haven't covered? And I, I think that uh, there's there's a 
we could go on for a long time about the process of of, of buying a, a property and what the market is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a lot of different factors, and I mean, unless you got anything more specific, I would say that you, you know if you if you are serious about wanting to own a, a, a piece of ground someday, uh, well, I guess I'll tell I'll tell a story here. So. I started Huntera Maps. We make custom maps for for uh, hunters and, and landowners. I have I've started this business nine years ago, and I've met a lot of big landowners throughout the country through it. And uh, I've established some great relationships with with some of them. And the common factor, you know, I I, I talked to a guy that, that owns twelve hundred acres in in Western Illinois, amazing hunting grounds. Like, man, how did you how did you get here? You know, how did you? And and the common the common theme is is that everybody wishes that they would have started sooner, even if yep. they started in their 30s or, yep. or in their 20s. You know, step into it, whether it's 20 acres or 30 or 40 acres, whatever you can afford. Don't think that uh, that you know you have to find the absolute perfect piece of ground if you want to own land long term. Um, figure out what you can afford and and. And, and go do it. It's, right. it's, it's a, it can be a sound investment when you're working with the right person, they're going to help you not buy something overpriced mm-hmm. and they're going to help, uh, you're they're going to help you navigate uh, a sound property to buy. That's going to meet you and your families and your budget's goals. Yeah. Um, that's, that would be the, the biggest piece of advice I would say is, you know, try to find somebody that you're, you, 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 you is going to be a, a, an asset and an ally to you and trust the fact that land ownership has been such a sound investment, uh, you know, for Americans through, for, for, for generations. Right. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll leave it at that. Perfect. All right. So the other thing is, is you are a real estate agent for whitetail properties, right? Mm -hmm. So if anybody has any questions maybe about buying, selling land, or maybe they even want to use your services, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, so I like to talk on the phone. My phone number is 319-853-1162. You guys can can check out what, you know, some of the the current listings that I have or what I've sold in the past at at whitetailproperties.com. You can just uh, either go into the Iowa agents uh, list there or or look me up. Um, I I can help people buy anywhere throughout the state, and I I focus on selling ground primarily in southeast Iowa. So. Um, yeah, uh, feel free to, to, to get a hold of me. And, and, uh, if, if I'm not the, the right person, uh, whether it's, you know, somebody's listening from, from Iowa, that's more on the Western side of the state, I'm going to point you towards, uh, you know, somebody that, that is, is a professional in that area of, of Iowa, uh, or if it's somewhere, somewhere else in the country, or if it's in my wheelhouse, I'd love to help you out or just at least talk, talk, uh, through land ownership and that process with you. Right, right. And the last thing is you are also the owner of Hunter Maps, like you mentioned. Uh, and I can tell you from firsthand experience, they make some really kick-ass uh, maps. And I have uh, this magnet map, the Magna map, right behind my computer. And I, when I should be doing work, I'm staring at it, <laughs> thinking about tree stand locations and moving these little magnets around. So if you need a kick-ass uh, map of your property where where do we need to send them yeah huntera.com uh yeah we make custom maps for for hunters and landowners i i started that company 
Uh, like I said, nine years ago, Whitetail Properties was my first corporate account. I started working with them back when they were a much smaller brokerage. Uh, and they've, you know, we've grown our businesses and brands together. And it just, it, you know, now I'm, I'm able to, to uh, represent Whitetail Properties in, in Southeast Iowa. And it's, it's, uh, uh, it's all kind of come full circle there. So, um, yeah, I'm excited for anybody that wants to, wants to call and talk about maps or, 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 or land. Uh, uh, I'll be ready. All right. Mr. Ben Harshine, thank you for your time. Thanks, Dan.